This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, good morning. Welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. I'm Dean Holland here with Charlie Dobbin. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm excellent, Dean. It's a gorgeous day here, and the birds, man, are they loud. There's a lot of breeding going on right now. (laughs) We have, indeed, a lot of birds here in Collingwood as well, and uh, just outside my home studio, and lots of things sprouting up. Listen, before we go any further, I want to give those numbers out, because we would love you to call often. We'd love you to call early, and of course, one question per call please 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 uh in toronto 416-360-0740 or anywhere else in the province of ontario it is a toll-free call 1-866-740-4740 and do let carlos know uh if you are a first-time caller because then he will let us know and we will give you your your garden wings okay what do you got for us there charlie what's up this week uh, okay, so a couple of things. I just want to um, thank Paul DeGroote, who I imagine is listening right now. Good morning, Paul. He is a he's a longtime worker for NVK, Conan's NVK, which is a um, wholesale grower of trees and shrubs and perennials. Last week, we had a call from Carol in Scarborough, and she was asking me to identify what kind of maple tree she had with spiky pods on the tree. And I was like, oh, send me a picture. Well, Paul, who was listening, responded right away uh, via text to tell me to share with Carol and everyone else. That is not a maple tree. That is commonly called a sweet gum, one word, sweet gum, or liquid amber styroxifer. Flua, styraciflua, styracifluva. Anyway, it looks like a maple tree, but it's not. So liquid amber or sweet gum is the tree that has maple kind of leaves, but prickly pods. So thanks, Paul. Um, and then uh, just quickly, a couple of, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it's nice to have friends like that in your back pocket, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Paul's great. He's actually been on the show as a guest uh, once or twice or three times. And he's he's lovely. He's really, he's a very, very good guy. Um, so hi again, Paul, because he's always working Saturday morning. So he listens while he's working. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Couple of things to remind everybody today in St. Catharines, the Garden City Gardeners are meeting at 10 o'clock. It's from 10 until 2. There's a luncheon at 12. There is a seed exchange by the Niagara Master Gardeners and a couple of great speakers. So uh, head on over there after the show, if you're in the St. Catharines area, to say hello and see some familiar faces and maybe meet some new friends because gardeners are the friendliest people. And to put on your calendars coming up, 
Tuesday, April 12th, the Pickering Garden and Hort Society will be having a Zoom meeting, and I'll tell you more about that as we get closer. But bottom line is everybody can join if you want to join via Zoom. There's no cost attached to that. And the same with the Riverdale Hort Society, who meets on April the 13th, so Wednesday, April 13th. So those are evening 7 p.m. meetings as opposed to Saturday afternoon in-person meetings. But just something to look forward to if you're having issues getting out. It's been a bit cool, a bit gloomy. My ground is still frozen, but I'm certainly jazzed up for spring. Excellent. Well, you know what? I might have to like ditch out of the show a little early today and like jump in the car at nine thirty and go down to St. Catharines. <laughs> nice. that's, that's sounding kind of fun down there. And, and you know, and you always tell me they have great sandwiches too. <laughs> oh, sh- they have best baked goods. <laughs> in the meantime, we will go to our first break, and the the lines are already starting to light up. So we'll come back with some college. We'll be right back. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Here on The Garden Show, I'm Dean Holland, and uh, yeah, here with Charlie in the studio. And uh, Charlie, we uh, I'm going to give those numbers out again. Uh, please give us a call anywhere in Toronto, 416-360-0740, or toll-free anywhere in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. And we are going to take our first caller now. We're going to go to uh, Carol and she is calling from the town of Aiton. How are you this morning, Carol? Good, and yourself, Dean? I am well, and you know what? I get to tell you this, Carol. You are our very first caller of our very first spring show of the year 2022. There you go. <laughs> so I'm going to give you the garden wings anyway. There you go. <laughs> okay, what do you got for Charlie there? Well, good morning, Charlie. Um, what I have is a very old patch of strawberries, and I know you shouldn't let them grow that long, yada yada, but anyway, um, I wanted to move some. What I was wondering is if I, wait, when should I do it, but if I dig them up, if I dug some up, and I was thinking I would wash the roots off, bare the roots off so that I don't get any weed seed or anything traveling with me, and put them in a, move them to a different location, can I do that? You can, but do that sooner than later. Uh, Because when you're washing all that soil off, that's what we would call bare root. And bare root works with any plant as long as the plant is dormant. As soon as the plants are growing, you know, they're starting to flush out with green anything, leaves, buds, flowers, then they do not want to be bare root for more than about 10 seconds. So you have to move fairly quickly. Okay, because that's how you usually buy strawberries is Mm -hmm. is bare root, and it it Mm -hmm. wouldn't happen that soon, I wouldn't think. So that's what made me... I'm surprised at the answer. So, but there's no reason. Well, no, why but I can't your be- timing is good. I mean, the ones that you see for sale, even now, you'll see them for sale bare root. They're dug in the fall, they're washed, and they're refrigerated for the winter. Oh. So they're kept dormant by keeping them cold. Okay. They're not frozen, but they're cold. Okay. So right now, we're kind of refrigerator temperatures anyway. So that's why you could, you know, today, even this whole week, it's it, we're not getting up into summer temperatures anytime soon that I can see. So no. you're good to, to do this, but I would you know, do it sooner than later. Yeah, all right. Well, I, yeah, I was thinking of waiting till till I was basically going to uncover them, but uh, better to uncover be, them and do it sooner. Yeah, they'll be growing by then. And also take the youngest ones. Take the, the yeah. freshest, littlest, tiniest ones yeah. when you when you want to do the move, because they'll be the most vigorous. Good. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Have a good Thanks, Carol. 
Yeah, and speaking of which, we we are under a, a winter weather warning up here in. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're supposed to get up here in the Collingwood area like by Monday between fifteen and twenty-five centimeters of snow. So oh, we are Lord. we are definitely still in refrigeration. Time. <laughs> so much for spring in Collingwood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. And speaking of which, we uh, we have uh, well, my next door neighbor there. We're going to go to Wasaga <laughs> Beach now. We have uh, we have Cheryl calling from Wasaga Beach. How are you this morning, Cheryl? I'm good. I'm good. I hope everyone's well. Yeah, yeah we are. <laughs> what do you got for Charlie there, Cheryl? Except for Charlie? <laughs> Hello? Hello. Okay. Uh, what's going on at your place, Cheryl? I have a question. Last, mm-hmm. Late last fall, and I mean very late in the fall, I was out and I cut a long branch of forsythia and just dropped it on the ground. This spring, I was just cleaning up some of the branches that had fallen over the winter, and I found it. And when I looked at this branch, it looked like their buds were still there and yeah. perhaps going to grow. So I cut yeah. it and I brought it in. Sure enough, they are now starting to bud. Yeah. My question is, can I put root hormone on this and, and perhaps grow another for Cynthia? Because the one that I took it this from is in a very bad spot but it's not something I can move. Right. Okay, so good question. Um, Two things. One is the fact that it's flowering now from being cut last fall is a perfect example of the fact that the flower buds are in place before winter when it comes to our early spring flowering plants. So that's just a, a perfect example of how the flower buds are formed Uh, But sitting on the ground, of course, that branch just was like being in a refrigerator. So it just sat there. And then, of course, it gets a little warmer and the snow starts to melt. And before you know it, those buds are still alive. If you want to try and use that branch for propagation purposes, you could try. You could very likely get it to grow roots, but only take a cutting that's at the most six inches, seven inches long. So don't work with a two foot long branch. Just take the tip. And at the most six inches, mm-hmm. um, you remember where the bumps are, where the buds are, that's where the roots are going to come from. So that's what you're going to do is immerse those buds or those lumps under moisture, whether it's water or moist sand or vermiculite or whatever. Little rooting hormone can speed things up and uh, you should have roots in about, it might take about six weeks, depending how what kind of temperature you have the plant in. And of course, it needs to be in full sun because it is going to be growing. Mm-hmm. I have a couple perfect ones then for doing just that. Thank you so much. And and remember, it's a little stressful because the plant is going to be growing leaves and flowers, but it has no roots. So you have to do everything in your power to ensure that the, the plant doesn't die before it grows roots. So sometimes we'll put like a, a jar over top just to make like a mini, almost a mini greenhouse or a plastic bag, something like that. Uh, but not obviously with the sun shining because then you get like an oven set up. But either way, it needs bright light, but it also needs you know moisture being retained in the plant until roots can grow. Okay, that's Good. great. Okay. Great. Thank Thanks so much for your question, Cheryl. Okay. And you have, yeah, and have a great, uh, have a great weekend, this first yeah. full weekend of spring. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess uh, Cheryl, like you, is under a storm yeah. watch. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Might want to get that jar over there sooner rather than later. <laughs> um, I'm just going to give the numbers out one more time. 416-360-0740 anywhere in Toronto or elsewhere in the province of Ontario. one 866 
740-4740. We have to take a quick break, but we will be right back. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. He is absolutely correct. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And I'm here with her in studio. I'm Dean Holland. And uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I just you were talking about birds on the break, right? Were okay. birds around your brain? Exactly. Not that you're a bird brain, but birds around your brain. I get the connection. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of years ago, I discovered that there are cameras out around the world that uh, run 24-7 on bird feeders and bird nests. So, oh gosh, it must have been seven or eight years ago when I discovered red tail hawk camera on in at Cornell University on a nest, like way up high. And it was so cool because you just tune into this live camera. So they, of course, the eggs are laid, the mom and dad bird are taking turns on the eggs. And then over a period of weeks, eventually the little birds start pecking out and takes them hours to get out of the shell. And then mom and dad are feeding them. And it's just, it's, it's live. It's so cool. Anyway, I just, anybody who has time on their hands and wants to watch live birds doing cool things, go to a website, allaboutbirds.org. So one word, allaboutbirds.org. Most of the cameras are across the United States. Uh, you go to the um, live cam and you'll see there's about 10 different cameras set up all over the place. The one, there is one in Ontario. It's an Ontario feeder watch. It's somewhere, I think, up where Dean is because it's snowing right now in this particular <laughs> video. <laughs> and, and you can see it looks like ravens just owning. Oh, there they go. They just both flew away. So maybe some other birds will be able to get in there because the big birds always win and the little birds wait oh, backward. They're back. So big black hungry ravens. Anyway, it's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I will absolutely do that. My when the giraffes were being born uh, yeah. a couple of years ago, my wife would constantly have that feed on her phone. She was watching those giraffes, exactly. and so so this would be right in line with that. I'm exactly. sure. Exactly. Okay, we're gonna go to uh, we're gonna go to talk to Marcy now, who's on the line from uh, from Stouffville. How are how are you this morning, Marcy? Good morning. Um, Good morning. I appreciate you taking my show. I've been listening to you for many, many years. Um, I, I have to tell you, Marcy, I was at the, uh, we had a hockey game in town here yesterday, and it was the Collingwood Blues uh, versus the Stouffville Spirits. They were here in town last night. So, uh-huh. um, who won? I, I, I'm sorry, I have to tell you, I have to break it to you that the Blues won six to nothing. Oh, yes. so oh we, well, we, yeah, slaughter. It was a but uh, yeah, anyway, I, and then I saw your name pop up there and I went, hey, it's Stouffville. <laughs> well, good morning. I the, Welcome it, to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I think the blues are like the uh, moles that have hit my <laughs> lawn <laughs> and they are winning 36,000 to nothing. <laughs> and, are you sure um, they're moles? Could they be voles? Well, I I. Think there. I've never really seen one. All I know is that I have a, a, a what would look like a worm festival of tunnels over my. It's about quarter of an acre of a lawn that's no longer a lawn. It's nothing but tunnels. Yeah, and that's what. They, yeah, I'm trying to. So, one company said they were going to come with these traps 
which will be my lawn will not be a lawn. It'll be, you know, a series of traps. There are so many holes. And I've heard that nematodes might be, at this time of year, a good applic thing. But I've not found a company that does that. Nor can you recommend either a company or a product or a methodology to try a nematode method? Or maybe that's not successful either. I'm desperate. I, I, it's just awful yeah. right now. Okay, so... Um I would have, I've known nothing about using nematodes to control either moles or voles. I think that the main thing is what you're experiencing, I am too. I have massive vole damage on my, throughout my lawn. So what the voles have done is they have taken advantage of the snow and they spent the winter under the snow on the surface of our lawns eating our lawns and so we're seeing you know all the damage where they they chewed and chewed and then of course they've bundled up masses of roots and and grass blades to make little temporary nests for themselves um and of course you'll also see a couple of holes where they go down into the ground where they they may have set up a little bit of a home in my research what i can tell you is that a couple of things happen number one if you're out in an open area and the voles are exposed to the sky, they are very likely to get picked off by owls, hawks, foxes, raccoons, skunks, cats, dogs, like there's all my, kinds of animals, problem, even some birds will eat my them. Problem, my problem is, is that I live in a forest and mm. my lawn, like parts of it, I've devoted to a moss garden, which I'm really proud of. I really love moss. And they don't seem to like the moss, but the lawn part, they've devoured. And I, I just, you know, rather than having 700 traps, I don't know what to do. I, I'm, I'm truly desperate. I have no idea what to do. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> obviously, yeah, it's, tr- it's tr- hard, very hard when you're surrounded by trees because, of course, they they that's what voles love they love to be in the cover now that the snow is gone now they've got your tree cover so they're going to hang out they also will do damage to young trees quite often by peeling bark the lawn part is in an open part surrounded mm, by trees right. so it and it's a sandy loam which they mm. love right mm. they just love that so like about a quarter of an acre is in the what I call the vole lawn now. Yeah, not surprised. And um, I, I just need help. I don't know. It's a, the a lawn company said, well, all they'll do is come and take and put new topsoil and give me a new lawn. Well, mm-hmm. I know the voles will just move in next year. That's the yeah. thing. There's nothing stopping them from moving in every winter. So in the spring, as the the lawn care company told you, uh, lawn repair is is pretty high priority. But you want to do everything to to deter them coming back, and that's yeah. where repellents are really your best your best bet. Right. Uh, so there are different repellents that animals don't like. Uh, I'm just looking at one of my all time favorites. It's called Plant Skid. So P L A N T T as in Tom. So Plant S as in Sam. K as in kite, Y as in yellow, and then a couple of Ds as in Dobbin. So plant skid. Now, plant skid is actually pretty cool because it protects the plants you love 
from all kinds of animals. From well, it was designed originally to uh, protect plants from elk. And I'm pretty sure, I bet you, I, I just have to go a little deeper into the website. But the bottom line is you spray the stuff on. It's completely non-toxic to us. It's completely organic. Uh, and it deters animals from chewing, you spray it on plants. It deters animals from chewing your plants for up to six months. There are some you know, a criteria for the right temperature and no wind and all that sort of stuff. But can I put it on the lawn? Sure, I think so. Why not? It's a plant. <laughs> it's many plants. So, uh, you know, it says safe for use, vegetable gardens, fruit trees, food crops. Uh, I'm just quickly, it repels deer, rabbits, and others. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if it would work on voles as well. It's actually based on blood meal. It's a, I'm pretty sure it's a blood meal uh um, based formula. So go to their website and I know it is available at places like Canadian Tire. So you could always go there and just read the package and see what it says. Uh, yeah, you'll have to do a fair amount of spraying, but I, your main time for spraying, see right now you repair and next fall you spray in preparation okay. to protect All for right. the winter. Okay. Because Listen, thank you very much there, Marcy. I got to run. I got some other callers luck. on the line, but good luck on that. And uh, give us a call back in the fall if you uh, need some <laughs> more direction there. I've got Steve on the line from uh, Mississauga. Uh, Steve, how are you this morning, sir? Hi, I'm hanging in. Thanks very much. Good, uh, good, good. Happy curious. spring. What do you got for Charlie there? Well, when it comes to uh, trimming back both the, uh, the clematis and the uh, raspberry canes, is this about the right time to do so? Mm, you could well depending on what kind of raspberries they are are they ever bearing raspberries or just spring bearing or summer bearing oh heck you know what i'm you, not sure well do you ever see fruit on them in september indeed yes and sometimes oh. all the way to december which is kind of charming yeah okay so that's what we call ever bearing so that means that they they bear starting in like june or july but then they keep sporadically flowering and fruiting right up till winter so the trimming you would do is the the canes that have already borne fruit you can do that trimming now but not on a wet day do your trimming when it's dry and also mm-hmm. um uh yeah, dry day, sunny day, preferably, and make sure that the ground is not soggy because you don't want to be walking out in your gardens or on your lawns when there's still a lot of moisture in the soil because you compact the soil a lot and you limit the growth of the plant. So you're probably going to have to wait a couple of weeks to really be effective with the strawberry, with the um, raspberries. Clematis, on the other hand, I usually wait until the little buds are starting to show right down at the bottom of the plants. The little buds look like mouse ears, just little gray furry buds in pairs on the stems or the, of the canes. And um, get out your sharp pruners again on a sharp, on a dry day and cut the clematis right down about six inches tall. All of it comes out, gets composted. And these are the clematis that are the summer flowering, the very traditional Jack Manny flat flowers, um, summer flowering, meaning June, July. There are other clematis that are spring or fall blooming, and we trim them a little differently. Okie doke. Is that good there for you, Steve? Okay, great. Um, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go to uh, Joanne now. We have. Uh, oh, I'm, before I do that, I'm just gonna give the numbers out: four one six three six zero zero seven four zero, or anywhere else in the province of Ontario, one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. Give us a call. And uh, yeah, we're going now to Joanne in Midland. How are you this morning, Joanne? Fine, thank you. Thank you uh, for getting good. me on. Um, 
I hope I hope we don't. We're in Midland, so we're not that far from Collingwood. <laughs> no, you are not. not you might get a bit snow. of the white stuff as well. Don't put your <laughs> yeah. winter clothes away yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, not not at all. Um, I, we have a lemon tree uh, that our children gave us a couple of years ago, and um, right now it's indoors. We put it out in the summer, but the leaves the leaves have fallen off a lot of the branches, but it's budding. Like crazy. Is that normal at this time? Well, to lose all its leaves is not optimal, but it does happen inside. Because remember, lemon trees, their natural environment is like a Florida situation. So we've got mild, mild days, lots of sun and humidity in the 40, 50, 60 percentage. Here in our homes, of course, we're lucky to get 30% humidity uh, midwinter, and that's why the leaves drop. It's just oh, too dry. Okay. So anything you can do to increase humidity around the plant will help it retain oh, okay. its leaves. And for now, I would just do some trimming and make sure it's in the brightest possible spot you've got and start your fertilizer program monthly for the lemon tree uh, starting now. Just monthly. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so that's normal for the blossoms to be coming right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It should be actually, if they're blossom, if it's starting to flower, that's great. Uh, again, okay. normally they'll flower back. Well, they, in an optimal world, they'll be blooming more in January, February, but it's fine. If oh, they're blooming really? now, it's still a pretty happy plant. Okay. Well, that's great. Thanks a lot. All that right. Is, Thanks. Yeah. For okay. Bye-bye. Yes. Bye bye now. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you know Joanne's got a good uh, a good tree there, as opposed to a lemon, so, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> I always like it when I can make you laugh there, Tony. <laughs> Wacko. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, let me see. Uh, let's go to. Uh, we got a first time caller on the line. Let's go to Colleen, and Colleen is calling from the city of Guelph. How are you this morning, Colleen? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a quick question. I have a Chinese dogwood. It was planted uh, uh, probably it's about five feet tall, so it's very young. It was planted this would uh, two years ago. This might be the second spring. I can't remember. Uh, but uh, I was wondering, I'm getting conflicting information on fertilizing uh, this plant. Uh, one was saying that it's too young to fertilize it. That could uh, ruin it or kill it, I guess. Or the other, uh, you got to plant it far, uh, put the fertilizer far away from the actual stem of the, maybe about a foot away. And I just don't know what, should I be fertilizing early March, April, or not at all? <laughs> okay, so a, a Chinese dogwood is, I would treat it as we treat any shrub or small tree on our property. So it, first of all, hopefully when it was planted, it was planted into a very good quality soil. So a really lots and lots of organic matter. Dogwood love leaf mulch, you know, really a soil that retains moisture and has lots of kind of sponginess to it. That's what dogwoods right. love. And that's a, a really a good long-term soil. So I'm hoping and it came in a big ball when it was delivered <laughs> and the whole dog and put in uh, the first one didn't survive. They came back and put a second one. Last year, I got a couple leaves and uh, maybe one or two buds. So it's still very young, I think. 
Okay, but a couple of leaves doesn't sound good. All right, so and it, it, so it's in the ground. It's in a spot where it gets some sun and some shade. Yes. And the soil is as good as it is. Uh, did you put mulch on the surface of the soil yes. around the the shrub? Well, they or, keep it away. Don't have it right up to the stalk right. of the tree. Pull right. it back a bit, and that's what I did. And water it. It likes a good soaking once a week, and we did that. Okay. Like okay, so that's all good. Um, so the, the reason we fertilize is it, it's like it's to help a plant maintain its health. So if a plant is healthy, giving it fertilizer just, you know, it's like feeding it. So it just helps it be more robust and more vigorous and get bigger faster than it would on its own. When okay. a plant is unhealthy or suffering or struggling, fertilizer rarely solves the problem. So that's why I was asking those questions. But oh, you know what? Okay. It's one of my all-time favorite plants. I love, well, you're calling it Chinese dogwood. It's a cornus cusa is how it's also referred to. It's got lovely lovely flowers uh in the exactly. in the spring and um it should have lots of leaves on it wherever it is now so main thing is if you're if i was going to fertilize that plant i would use not a synthetic fertilizer i would go to the garden center i would get a bag of composted manure i'd bring it home i'd move the mulch away I get that bag of mulch, sorry, bag of manure all around the tree, which would be adding about a half an inch to an inch of organic matter directly on the surface of the soil around the tree. Mm. Uh, just very gently rough it in, let the whole thing sit and do that anytime now. Let that sit. And at some point in the next month or so, put the mulch back on top of the manure. Again, nothing is touching the stem of the tree. You're always mm -hmm. leaving the, the bark clean. Great. Oh, Thank you very okay. much, well, Colleen. Before you go, and I before I go to break, I have to give you your garden wings, though, okay? So there you go. Thanks <laughs> yeah, for your call. thanks for calling. Yeah, we do Good have to go take that. a break, and then when we come back, uh, we'll take some more callers. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, welcome back to The Garden Show on Zuma Radio. Those numbers, once again, 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province of Ontario, sorry, that's the Toronto number. And anywhere in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. I got to tell you, Charlie, I, uh, during the break, I started to look at one of those bird cams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, allaboutbirds.org. And I'm, uh, did you say they're ravens? Are they ravens? Uh, the, the Ontario feeder watch looks like yeah. ravens to me. It's they've got yeah. black black birds with a black beak. Yeah, they've just and taken over that bird feeder. Yeah, it's so interesting. But you it's know what? Criminal. Check back. Well, check back in six hours. It'll be different birds, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. No, it's great. <laughs> okay, we're going to go to New Hamburg now. We have got Diane on the line. Uh, Diane, how are you on this fine first full weekend of spring? Hello, Diane. Hello. Morning. Hey. How are Good you? Good morning. Good morning. What do you got there for Charlie? I have a question about snowdrops. About, sorry, what? They're uh, blooming right now. Of course, they've been blooming since the end of February here in our uh, area. And um, I, what I want to do is uh, move some. I have so many, and I guess they reseed themselves. 
Okay, so just can you please say again what it is that's blooming? Snowdrops. Oh, snowdrops. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. snowdrops. Nice. First flower Sweet. that comes out. In, yeah. In of course. In yeah. Mine yeah. are blooming too, so I, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And um, our, we have a flower bed that uh, they've been spreading, like coming up mm-hmm. everywhere, and we want to uh, do something else with that area, and I'd like to move them. So I'm wondering what is the best uh, approach to this? Where, When do I do it and how do I go about it? So if you want to move them all, and depending on what your long-term plans are for that garden, wait until they're dormant. Because if you're going to end up digging in there anyway to either change the garden into a lawn or dig a swimming pool or whatever you're going to do, wait until you can't see the snowdrops anymore. So that's another six or eight weeks from now. Then go in with a digging fork And with the fork, just go down, you know, top sort of four inches into the soil and bring them up to the surface. They will be just little round bulbs that will be fast asleep at that point and get them all out of the ground that way. Um, And then bag them up into paper bags or, you know, nylon stockings, something where a certain amount of airflow still happens. And then keep them, just put them away for the summer and replant them next fall wherever you want them uh, is what I would do. If if you really are wanting to eliminate them all, you're just going to have to dig them all out. But wait until they're dormant. You'll have your best success then. Okay. Is that when the leaves all die off too or will there still be leaves on? I would wait until the leaves die and you can't see the bulbs at all. Okay. Unless you're in a hurry, you can go in before that because you can see where they are when the leaves are there. And again, dig them up. Uh, allow them to dry out on the surface of the soil, on newspaper, or on the driveway, whatever, before oh. you put them away for a month or two. And then at that point, you can replant next, uh, late next summer or fall, wherever you want them to be next spring. Okay, and I, I want to give okay. some away to my friends. So. There you go. Perfect. Okay. Thanks so much Perfect. for the call That's- there. Diane, yeah, snowdrops. I just cringed a little bit when she said snowdrops. I thought (laughs) that's what we're threatened to get up here is more snowdrops. Snowflakes, indeed. Um, No, snowdrops are beautiful. I mean, what a great problem. I've got too many snowdrops. I need to give some away. I love those problems. I love them too. And are they very similar to, uh, we have a lot of of grape hyacinth. Would they be a very Uh, similar kind of deal? Well, in the sense that they're bulbs. Snowdrops are white. Uh, well, I know, yeah, they, I know yeah. as far as the bulb is concerned, would I handle yeah, them the same way if I wanted bulbs. to move them? Yeah, 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 same idea. Uh, and and snowdrops are cool because they usually do come up in the snow. They're the earliest yeah. of any of the bulbs. But sure, sure, you can move bulbs anytime you want. Best time to move is when they're dormant, but hardest time to find them is when they're dormant. So have an idea where they are so that you can do your careful digging uh, once you can't see them anymore. Okay, gotcha. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with uh, more questions. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. Dean Holland with you, along with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, we have a caller on the line from Cambridge. Lorraine, how are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. Um, Wonderful. Happy spring to you. Yes, well, that's a springy thing I want to ask you about. I tapped my sugar maple. I just have one on my lawn. And um, I... Wonder, I um, wonder, I, I, I didn't leave it on very long. I just wanted to do it for fun. And I was wondering if I should plug up the hole afterwards. 
So it's oh, raining out right. of that? That's a good question. So is uh, sap running out of that hole? A little bit. Not as much as before. So I just wondered if it was the end of the season or whatever. I don't think so. I think we're kind of still peaking. We're coming into peak season. Um, You know what? That's a really good question. Usually when people tap, they leave the taps until the the syrup, the sap slows down. Um, Okay. I would have to look that up. You know what? Let me, I, I just have to get back to you on that one. Okay. Off the top of my head, I would not plug it. If you were going to plug it, because it's pouring sap all over the ground, plug it with just plain paraffin wax, like just, you know, not a scented candle, but just plain white, unscented wax. I was thinking of putting a little plug that you get a cork plug from the wine or something. Okay, yeah, so, or, yeah, make some kind of cork, whatever, because you don't want that sap going all over the ground. That's just not good. It's a waste, and the tree could really use it. And if you don't want it, then there is a good argument for for plugging that hole, but the the plant will naturally seal itself off anyway, so it's not a long-term thing. Do take, I would take the plug out later. If you're plugging it today, unplug it in two months. Okay, and the steel gap, is that also called Bethlehem? Star of Bethlehem. Mm. Oh, are are they the same? Did you say? Yeah. As snowdrops, no, but they are all early spring bulbs. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I, you know what? I uh, I adore all that sugar maple stuff. And, uh, <laughs> do you like that? I, I love know you, it. Yeah. It's you and elixir. I bo- both have have spring birthdays. You and I have early yeah. spring birthdays, and. Um, and of course, I always, as a kid, I always dreamed about having a birthday party at the sugar bush, you know, where they would drizzle them on the snow. And so I think yeah. it's, I think we're at the beginning of the season. It seems to me that right. things have to warm up a little bit for them to, for the sap to really start to run, I think. Exactly. It's just started. And actually, your birthday's tomorrow, isn't it? It Happy is. Happy birthday yeah. tomorrow. Oh, thank you. Thank well, you. how come you never had a birthday party at the sugar bush? Well, you know what? It's a kind of a, I don't know, it's a bit of a mucky time of year. And I <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess we, it just never happened when I was. Yeah. There. So, yeah. but uh, there is still time. There is, there's a, a few I, sugar bushes up in our neck mm. of the woods, usually privately owned. Yeah, it's okay. I think we could arrange something. Yeah, no, I just, I, yeah, and I just want to make sure that uh, uh, the the uh, the caller that just called that, of course, it's a, it's I think it's a forty to one ratio. I believe right. yes. that you need forty liters of sap to get one liter of maple syrup. Exactly. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that is correct. Um, listen, I have a, uh, I have an email question that I wanted to uh, mm-hmm. to run by you. This is something that came in, uh, yeah, just a couple of weeks ago. I listen to your show every week. Uh, can I listen when I'm at work? Here. So his question about a huge poinsettia plant that they got for Christmas. Mm. Actually, three plants in one pot. One of the plants has died, uh, but the other two are getting new growth. And you need, and I need to know how I can keep it going so I can put it outside in the spring. Also, um, when I can put it outside. They live in a condo, so they can't plant it in the ground. They face southeast and get sun uh, until about 1230 or 1. Most of the original red leaves ended up with black around the edges. I had never seen that before. Uh, it's from Edwina in Brampton. What do you think there? Right. So thank you for your email, Edwina. Edwina. Um, so, okay, just double checking. So she lives in a condo. It's not going in the ground. It's going out onto a balcony. Number one, it's a tropical plant, so it does not go outside until we are frost-free uh, in Brampton, depending on 
what height your condo is, et cetera, and uh, how much wind you're exposed to, it's you're not putting it outside until the end of May, maybe early June. So for now, it's inside. Give it as much light as you can. Remove any of the leaves that are naturally dropping, including the red ones, and don't leave them on the surface surface of the soil. You know, compost those. Uh, and I would give the plant, prune it back. So we've got the pot. It had three plants. I assume she's cut out the dead one at ground level. There's still two plants in the pot. Uh, if she really wants to keep these for the long term, I probably unpot the, the two and separate them. So I've got one in each one in its own pot. And then I prune them down, prune them down. So they're about yeah, six inches tall. <clears throat> Lots of light. Don't soak them. They don't want to sit in water, but they do want to get, be kept slightly moist, get into a routine of fertilizing and enjoy them. They will be green plants now until next Christmas. If you can, you know, give them what they want, which is, you know, water on occasion and obviously lots of light. Well, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to ask that question is because I also have a poinsettia upstairs. I have a white one, but mm. I was I was kind of wondering the same thing. So when I saw that email come through, <laughs> I had wondered what I should do with it. I do have property that I can put it on. So I was curious whether I should keep it in a pot or put it in the ground or what. Oh, I would keep it in a pot if you want to keep it because it will die in the winter, right? Yeah. So you keep it in a pot, but you can bury the pot out in the garden for the summer. Now, if you're going outside, then you'll go in under some shrubbery. It doesn't want to be in full sun outside. It's That's too intense. Better to have it kind of as an understory plant, you know, close to some other plants where it gets a little bit of shade. In the house, we want it in full sun, but outside, we're going to not give it quite as much sun. And you'll just enjoy it as a green plant all summer bring it in the house before frost and you never know you might just find it turning white again if we give it the right conditions next fall gotcha little experiment i tell you it's been quite a show today we have talked about lemon trees we've talked about <laughs> voles we've talked about birds we've talked about <laughs> clematis we've talked about all sorts of stuff I, I, I love all those questions that come on in all over the map. And guess what? We didn't say the word amaryllis once this week. No, I'm, we didn't. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's, we do still have an amaryllis email to get to maybe next week. Uh, and I'm sure all of us are sitting with our green amaryllis now. Enjoy them as green plants. That's what you get from now until next fall. Kind of like the poinsettias. They only mm -hmm. flower once a year. Indeed. Uh, thanks, Dean. Oh, thank you. And it seems like... Yeah, a lot of fun. And yeah, we're you getting a lot of these garden shows coming up right now. Or the, the garden meetings are starting all again, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. And hey, listen, you have a great day tomorrow. Big happy birthday and hugs, etc. for you tomorrow on, on your big birthday. And Thank uh, thanks, Carlos. Couldn't do any of this without Carlos and our callers. So thanks to everybody. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.